Welcome back to Death Watch's Call of Cthulhu campaign, Descent into Darkness, Season 2. I am Travis, I will be your keeper today. Unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties and we lost our initial recording, our first hour. So rather than do it again, well, I'm just going to provide a summary and then we'll get an introduction from our investigators. So what had happened was... Mr. Monroe and Mr. Whitmire had been invited by Robert Ramsden, an apparent traveler from the waking world who was working at the Temple of the Elder Gods to go and have a drink at a nice pub he knew. Now it turned out he led you to where you eventually came under false pretenses because it was not a pub, it was a strange door in an alleyway that only appeared after several twists and turns and passages through that same alleyway. Once inside, he told you that he was instructed by Meriwether to show you this guy or this place because a entity called the Keeper of Dreams dwelled within who could offer any one desire of man provided it did not impact another living being, but the cost was terrible. And he suggested that Meriwether wanted you guys to know about this place because there may come a time in which you might want to pay that cost. But from that point you had discussed the nature of creating objects in your dreams that can be used in the dreamlands and also learned a little bit more about Ulthar and the mysterious cats that dwelt there and how the city apparently takes its religion very seriously and one can find themselves serving a hefty sentence or maybe even imprisoned in stone should they behave in a a heretic manner. Meanwhile, Dr. Andrews had been dreaming of the mound somewhere in the Midwest or South Central part of United States where he had traveled beyond and gone into the installation near a radio tower. And there he witnessed a procession of consortium members leading a man who was eating the rose petals that these consortium members threw at his feet, and he seemed to be in some kind of fugue state. And you had checked out one of these openings on the other end of the procession hall. There were 64 of them, and what you discovered was that it led to a shop in Boston by some magical or scientific means that you don't understand. And when you were coming out of that, a shape that could have been anything your imagination could come up with came at you, but it resolved itself to only be Fiona Nichols, the wife of Detective Wayne Nichols. And together, after determining you couldn't crawl down into the, or climb down into the procession hall, you would uh, explore further into this cave system. And you came across a freezer, no other way to describe it, stored with the corpses of different people. 
and you had been looking at the tags and had discovered that you knew at least one of these people and were reasonably sure they were alive just a few days ago. But then again, this is a dream, so maybe it doesn't mean anything at all. And that's where you stand now. But before we get back to Dr. Andrews and Dr. <laughs> keep trying to make you a doctor, Whitmire. You're not a doctor. You're a thief. Uh, Mr. Whitmire and Mr. Monroe will get an introduction from our investigators. I am Brandon playing Dr. Wallace Andrews, a medical doctor. And as was said in the introduction, I'm currently delving the mysteries of a dreamland with Fiona Nichols. And I'm Justin. I'm playing Lance Monroe, who is attempting to absorb as much knowledge and information as he can about this new, strange, and exciting world he's found himself into. John playing uh, Dr. James Whitmire, <laughs> three thief extraordinaire, <laughs> who is uh, have a PhD in thieving. Yeah, in thievery. As uh, currently, well, I guess formally, uh, guide to Lance Monroe in the dream world, and now just along for the ride. Yeah, and before our technology so rudely failed us, you were asking Robert Ramsden about Nicholas, this traveler from the waking world that came before you, and at least bears the same name of a companion of yours that died in Peru. And when you ask about him, he says, well, I don't know what his last name was. You see the the naming conventions here in Ulthar are quite odd, so I didn't think it really necessary, although I probably should have asked. But yes, I just knew him by Nicholas, and he was a, a handsome man with dark hair. He had quite the piercing gaze. He had a, a bearing about him, I would say, that, that smacks of military training. Okay. So oh, yeah, well, that kind of... to me confirms my suspicion. I'll be kind of surprised when he mentions him as being a handsome man because the Nicholas Saucedo that we knew was most definitely not a handsome man. That's true, but that's <laughs> only because of a disfigurement that he got during the war. Is Yeah. I'm sure he would have been quite striking uh, but without yeah, that disfigurement. Absorbing you didn't that. love him like I did, okay? <laughs> He was my best But absorbing friend. the fact that uh, him coming here got rid of his disfigurement will, will be something that, that I kind of um, note and latch on to. Uh, yeah, he definitely wasn't disfigured, at least not in any way I'd describe. But if he had been in the waking world, I'm not sure that would travel here to the dreamlands. I mean, there are permeations. I'm sure psychological damage taken here would carry on in, in your waking life, but there does seem to be a barrier in the physical mm -hmm. mode. That, and he, like yourself, had, had passed away in, in the waking world, whereas uh, Mr. Merriweather, at least to my knowledge, is still alive and, and healthy there. Oh, he had, I knew he, he only spoke vaguely of some violence preceding his arrival, but I could it not says, get the details out of it. Did he attempt, did he kill himself apparently needlessly like I did? No. No, he, he, he was, saved uh, us. Yes, he was a casualty. And I'm, I'm going to kind of glaze over a little bit as, as I uh, <laughs> remember seeing his face as he was stabbed by the Pishtaku. And... Right. Well, uh, maybe that would explain some of his psychosis upon arrival. He 
I don't know what it would have been like if I didn't have some certainty that I was going to come here or want to come here if you were dragged into this place against your will and your mind was stuck in the beliefs of the waking world, then it would be much more of a shock, I would think. Yeah. But yes, as I said, I'm not sure why he traveled on to Mount Lyrian. Perhaps he was seeking a way back to the waking world, or as I've mentioned, the it is believed that the gods come there to play at night in the hours before dawn. Well, uh, perhaps as I study the Nicotic manuscripts a little bit more, they'll uncover the same information that Mr. Merriweather and Nicholas had found before they headed out. Perhaps. I should caution you that eventually you will be tasked with choosing which of the elder ones will that you will primarily worship. <laughs> they don't do it to travelers, but if you stay in Ulthar long enough, it becomes a requirement. So it is something you should consider. What can you tell us about the uh, the elder gods represented there? Well, not much more than I have told you. They, The stories are often contradictory and conflicting, but I can run through them again if you'd like. A uh, follow-up question to that as well is, why are those gods free, yet Father is locked away? I don't know. I Here's what I can say. I think that these gods are a, a figment or a, a human creation, a buffer against what I believe to be the truth, and that is that our existence is just a side effect of an accident in our, you know, the deep cosmic past. There are whispers of the, you know, the demon court at the center of all creation, and a name of this deity, Azathoth. But if you say it, that name allowed in Ulthar, you'll be imprisoned in those stones across the bridge. So that's why they speak of their gods and not this father that you speak of. They don't even speak of the thing in the yellow mask really as a deity, just a powerful entity, something like a demon, I suppose, that led the Yggarathians astray. But in any case, which, you know, based off of Monroe's drawing there, uh, which of those figures did you like, Whitmire? Um... Was it uh, Caracol? Uh, maybe Nodens. Uh, maybe Noth or Thoth. Those, those would be the three that I, based off the drawing at least, that I would be more interested in hearing about. Okay, well, yes. Uh, as I had mentioned, Caracol is a fire god. Uh, uh, he fits many of the fire deities we have back in the waking world. And he's most often worshipped by people who fancy themselves wizards and also those who live in the shadow of volcanoes often worship Caracol. Caracol and their volcano that they live near are one and the same, so, you know, they pray to Caracol to keep the, a cataclysm from occurring. Now, Nodens is thought to be the most powerful of the Elder Ones in the realm of dreams. He says he has, the myths go that he has a court of creatures called Night Gaunts, that attend to his wish, and occasionally he's been known to lend aid to people who worship him when it comes to facing the crawling chaos. What exactly is the crawling chaos? That I don't know. Some sort of entity of chaos. Uh, he goes by many different names. Uh, crawling chaos, 
the black man, the ageless stranger. The black man. Well, yes, that's one of the, his monikers. As I'll, uh, I'll describe the, the thing that I saw in the mirror when I was running from what I thought was father and ask him if that sounds like this black man. Yes, it does. The, the halo in particular, I think I have seen depictions of this figure in the library. With that, I'll start casting some nervous glances around. <laughs> Say, even here, even here, I can't escape him. <laughs> and then you also favor Noth Horthoth. Yeah. Yes, he's primarily worshipped in a distant town called Selephaeus, uh, though he does have his small shrine here. Lions are sacred amongst his worshippers and all of the supposed attributes that a lion has, you you know, the fierceness, the bravery, uh, warriors take up worshipping him because of those attributes. Well, seeing as how I may may possibly get uh, a little bit of help uh, if I encounter the black man here, I'd probably have to say no then. Well, that's as good a choice as any. I would say if I saw Nicholas at any one of the shrines more than the others, it was at Noden's shrine. Some worshippers claim that they're visited by one of these elder ones and tasked with, you know, grand missions, but he never spoke of anything like that. And you, Mr. Monroe, which of the elder ones do you favor? Uh, to be quite honest, I haven't decided yet. They all seem rather unique and... Uh, I find it difficult to, to choose one quite yet. I, I believe I'd have to have uh, a little bit more in investigation to uh, what they stand for and what their worshippers are expected to do and their place in the realm. Well, you should decide as soon as you can, because as I said, you will be forced to pick one as your chosen deity to worship and then instructed in the appropriate manner of worship. But I must reiterate again that you guys should tread carefully and not go too far from Ulthar while you're newly arrived in the dreamlands. Perhaps you should even return to the waking world and think on what you've learned. I was actually just wondering to myself how we do return to the waking world. Well, I think you could do it in the same manner in which... Because you remember, you recall previously that Whitmire had asked me how one might arrive at a place of their choosing mm -hmm. and I had hypothesized that if you focused on it to such a sufficient degree that your subconscious was did not win out then you would arrive there so I think by a similar process of focus you could will yourself awake in the waking world yeah I, I want to say oh mm -hmm. that's easy and then that's what my dreaming role was for <laughs> is to <laughs> so however it looks to him <laughs> Whitmire just vanishes out of the room <laughs> you guys were in. <laughs> Other than that, I'm sure when you go to sleep, you'll return. I don't, I don't know. There's no, sometimes the travelers would be here for months that came from the Enchanted Wood before they would disappear. And sometimes it was mere hours. Hmm. Now that Mr. Whitmire's gone, we can start. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'll say, well, apparently my companion has decided to leave Without me, uh, I suppose I should have to give it a chance to try and wake myself. Otherwise, I'll have to rely on him waking me. 
So try dreaming. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah. So you, uh, in a sense, the area you're in, it's too hard to combat that as what's taking primacy in your mind because it seems so vivid compared to the waking world. But we'll leave you there for a little bit and we'll jump back over to Dr. Andrews as he's working his way through this freezer full of corpses. And you've come across a few names. You know, one is the editor at the Boston Herald. Another is a taxi driver. Another is a ticket taker at a theater and so on and so forth. There doesn't seem to be a pattern to what their occupation is or anything like that. And it runs the gamut from, you know, a local politician to your common laborer. Okay. Is there any exits besides where we came in at? Yeah, the the tunnel further into the earth continued on beyond this room. All right. <clears throat> so the only thing else I wanted to determine from these other corpses is that they have the same puncture wounds. Yeah, and you're able to put together a working hypothesis is that, you know, those venoms break down into roughly two types, hemotoxins and neurotoxins, and the hemotoxins cause a lot of damage to the tissue where the neurotoxins cause paralysis. So something is delivering a neurotoxin that paralyzes them and likely kills them. They suffocate, and then their bodies are here to be preserved. In an environment like this, they will be preserved for quite some time. Okay. So come along, Fiona. Let's continue on. I don't think there's any more to learn from this room. Yes, I can't make any sense of it, but I will follow your lead. And again, this is a worked tunnel. You go on for some 25 yards before you enter. There are no words really to put in your immediate impression of the room, except perhaps a glowing yellow light, a warm sort of faintly pulsing light. But all of the things that are in here, they, there's no quick reference in your brain as to what you're looking at. But it looks something like this, that dangling from the ceiling of this chamber are 20-ish translucent yellow pods, and they're swaying slightly in a humid mist that pours from apertures in the ceiling. Uh, within the pods, which you see are pregnant with a liquid of some kind, are darker shapes suspended in this liquid. And you can see one of these pods as now brown and leathery looking because it was torn open and empty. Uh, this bizarre spectacle does require a sanity roll. Okay. All right, so you lose one point of sanity, Dr. Andrews. Okay. Or sorry, no, that was a failure. What am I thinking? That's a D6 sanity loss. Three. All right, so there's something... There's some comparison that comes to your mind with the lower order in the, say, like the insect world or something like that, some means of reproduction or or sleep that is so different from how humanity does things that it almost appears alien when you read about it, you know, like the makeup of an ant colony or something like that. But uh, you realize that this is either some sort of stasis or some sort of birthing area and that there are creatures in these pods. And when you peer closer, you see reptile-like face sort of float close to the edge of this translucent pod and a slitted iris or a slitted pupiled eye opens for a moment and looks at you, but without any consciousness, like say 
If your children are asleep on the couch and their eyes are open, there's this sort of not really seeing anything, but scanning around the room before it snaps shut again. Okay. And it, uh, it's difficult to put your finger on why an unfocused eye can be so unsettling, but it is. Uh, Fiona held up better than that, and perhaps it's her biological background where she just peers at them and, and she says, you know, she, kind of echoing Monroe in a way, she's just like, fascinating. <laughs> I've never read of such a, a creature. What is this? Uh, a reptile of some kind, but... And you can see they're very humanoid in, in shape. It takes you a minute to put it all together because they're floating around in this liquid, but occasionally they'll float close enough to the edge of the pod for you to make out the outline of them. And uh, you can draw a comparison to roughly the same silhouette you saw in those shadows. You know, the longish arms, the triangular head. And when you see that face, you see why it's sort of triangular because they have hoods like might be on a cobra snake. Mm-hmm. And uh, four-fingered hands with, you know, long talons on the end of them. Talons you think that a notched dial would work quite well for. Right. Okay. Yeah, so I guess in that state of shock, I'll just, like, hold steady there for a bit and look around the room and uh, try and get a hold of myself. And, like, one of these was open? Yes. Okay. And... uh yeah, I guess I guess the best I can do then is to just confront it and I'll go and examine that one that's open. Yeah, so the interior's uh fleshy. You can't tell for sure if it would be vegetable matter or, you know, more flesh and blood. The aroma of the dried fluid on the ground below this pod and inside, it has a flammable smell to it. Like smells like a gasoline or an alcohol perhaps. All right, so um, so this fluid like spilled out on the floor. Do I see like tracks or anything? Yeah, you do see the uh, a strange print, but only for a little bit. Yeah, where the fluid was. Okay. Yeah. So these are reptilian humanoid creatures. Yeah, I don't see any means of of any kind of reproduction that I'm aware of. So I lean towards some sort of stasis or cocoon. This is Fiona Nichols mm-hmm. talking, but I don't I don't know how to make sense of it. I you I can recommend or suggest, although it comes at the risk of perhaps more sanity loss, that you can always make an idea roll to connect things together. Just if you succeed you get it. No sand loss. If you fail you get it with sand loss. It's always an option anytime you're confused, you know. Mm-hmm. What do you roll for an idea? Intelligence. Yeah. I'll try to get an idea. Okay. Oh. Critical success. <laughs> You're on fire today, man. <laughs> All right. So so it slams home for you. Uh, you've been in enough churches to know or seen enough cultures, perhaps, that worship things to know when somebody is or some area is attenuated to the worship of a being. Because they're constructed in a way like if you think of a Catholic chapel, you have all your people sitting in pews and looking up at the the uh, Father, and then there's Christ behind them, right? So they're all. It doesn't really matter. You can put anybody in that role, and so you come to the idea that this whole complex is attenuated towards that procession hall, 
to where you heard the chanting of Sathagua. And you realize that if Fiona is right, these things are in stasis and you're picking you're thinking of bits that you've heard the other your other companions talk about, you know, of a serpent folk that worshipped Yig but blasphemed and begun to worship Zagua that were thrown in, you know, into the subterranean places by your ancestors during the most recent ice age and were forced to live underground. You're thinking of how this ties into the consortium because, of course, you saw them there. And then it comes to you that that freezer with all those corpses isn't like a freezer with cadavers that you might experiment on like you would at a hospital, but it's some sort of horrible cloakroom because the consortium don't look like these serpent people in these pods floating in the liquid. They just look like you and me, and how do they do that? You don't know. You can't put that together. But when they go and they look in that freezer, they don't see human corpses. They see a suit that they can put on when they go out into the world so they can appear like us. Now, the question is, what are they doing with this installation? And why are they broadcasting something? Isn't that what Beckett said? Is that they would roll a radio down, they would feed this toad-like, bat-like shape, this supposed Zagua, and he would croon into the microphone. And is that being broadcast out to where? Back in Boston? Here in the Midwest, everywhere, and what is that doing? Now they're measuring something with their instruments when you walked through it. You couldn't make sense of it. Your learning didn't go in that direction, but you did see that there was math present, maybe even chemistry. Mm-hmm. And you know that their stretch is far and wide, at least in Boston. Yeah, because they have all those doors, and wouldn't be surprised if all of them opened up somewhere in Boston. Yeah, so your boy, or so yeah, so Beckett was talking about the big frog eating people. And was the frog then making the noise into the microphone? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like if this is a place of worship of Zagua, are these serpent folk trying to gain some favor by feeding him a steady supply? Mm hmm. The only thing you're missing is why they're doing that what is their goal well what's the yeah but amidst it you know you realize that this issue with charlie murphy is just one of the small cogs in all the gears that are turning for the consortium's operation and that's where you guys have been caught in it because your interest lies with him and they wanted things to go a certain way yeah all right so um yeah so i'll just sort of mumble that out loud like this is a religious um What's the word I'm looking for? A religious, uh, t- this is like a temple and there's worship happening here. And what was the name of that? Was it Zog was the frog? Zoggy was Zogua. what Monroe's been referring to it as uh, when you heard that those syllables being chanted, it was Sothagua. Sothagua. Yeah. And yeah. you think you have a vague recollection of Johann Mueller saying that his name derived in Latin was Sado Quay but you think they all mean the same thing. Yeah, right. So they're worshiping Sautagua in there. But I suppose the alarming point that comes with this idea of role is considering, even though you can't ascertain what their goal is, you do know they have quite a bit of, of apparent power in Boston. Yeah. And so that's something that colors what you guys are trying to do, and it, it would take some real consideration to work at odds with the consortium. Mm -hmm. So that's what's kind of, it's got your adrenaline going a little bit, thinking of 
of actions you perhaps have taken, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Couldn't something, some group like this just crush you? Yeah. You even have a thought, you know, of, uh, say, 14,000 years, this group, this race of serpent-like folk have been underground. Is it possible they'd harbor a grudge for that long against humanity? And does that have anything to do with the vision that you had of when you touched destroyed. the table? Yeah. But we'll pause while you're thinking that over your eyes darting around the room as all these connections are made in your mind. And we'll go to Mr. Whitmire waking up in the outbuilding. And there you see a sleeping Mr. Monroe and now a sleeping Dr. Andrews. So I'll, uh, I'll look at uh, Andrews, a little uh, weird, but um, <laughs> it's dawning on me what I did. <laughs> and right. I, I'd like to try and go back. Go back to sleep? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well... Uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, not not quite. We'll, right. we'll just say that covers quite a few attempts because we could just keep rolling until you get a success. So for this scene, you just can't get back into it. It was... Uh, you realize that you kind of had like beginner's luck with the first attempt. It was so easy that first time. It's so natural. But now that you focus your mind on it, you're, you keep tripping yourself up and, and being distracted by these strange elder ones that have been described to you and, and just how off kilter Ulthar was from, especially now that you're back in the waking world and just how mundane everything is. It's stopping you from doing that. Yeah. There's, uh, no, I figured I was just only going to make one attempt at it. As if I couldn't get it going or get it get back to sleep, then I was gonna try and wake up, uh, wake up, Mister Monroe. Okay. So yeah, you uh, you don't have very much longer, maybe like five minutes or so from your side of things before right. you just wake up. There's like no, there's no transition between you being mid conversation with Robert Ramsden, then you snapping your eyes open in the warm interior of that outbuilding. Okay. Which as I said, you have our Whitmire shaking you and you look over there, you see uh Dr. Andrews is sleeping. He has a book that's sort of fallen onto his chest. The uh I think you knew the title, the book of a Bremelin mm-hmm. that he was reading that he dozed off to. But you see in his hand like the bandaged hand, his wounded hand, there is a piece of parchment or paper clutched in it. Okay. And there's something strikingly familiar about the symbols inscribed on the parchment. So I'll kind of take a look at it without like prying it out of his hands at first. And right, yeah, he's like to holding it by one corner, and it was kind of folded over. over yeah. And you lift it up so you can look at it straight, and I'll share it with you. Okay. Do any of those symbols um, align with what I saw? Yeah, this is what you saw in that strange vision chair that you sat in by the yeah. organ those uh molecule diagrams is what they struck you as although you couldn't understand the symbols yeah okay as well, but the he's symbols doing are that. this are the exact same as what i saw yeah okay because yeah. you'd made a note to try to record some of them yeah uh it was just a little difficult to get the exact ones but now that you've seen it you know it makes perfect sense in your head okay but the fact that he randomly shows up with a piece of paper with them on on is really kind of shocking and surprising to me wait that's me yeah but you are still asleep so far so whitmire you're gonna say something yeah while he's doing that i'm gonna go and and check on those kids out front 
and see if I can get some info on when uh, Andrews arrived. Yeah, so Bill is standing out out there, and he, uh, in response to your question, he says, hey, I was just like 10 minutes ago. And how long have we been in here? Uh, me half an hour? Mr. Monroe. 30, 40 minutes, something like that? I was all, uh, thank him and pop back inside. Okay. How long did it feel like we were in that uh, dream world? Half a day. Okay. So I, I will make mention of that to uh, Mr. Monroe. Maybe we can try and track uh, time difference. Well, it seemed as if Mr. Ramsden had not been able to really define how much time in the dream world was was tied to the waking world, although he was dead and didn't really have a way of coming back to to make comparisons, but I have a, a feeling that it may not be consistent. Well, uh, we can uh, still research it. Yes, uh, with uh, this new realm opened up, there are many things that need to be researched or at least attempted to be understood before, we, before we're through. Have you seen this piece of paper that uh, Dr. Andrews has before? Uh, I'll go over and take a look at it. You've never seen it before. Uh, you can, if you pass an extreme education role or a science chemistry role, you could make some heads or tails of it. Have I ever seen the symbols before? Any of them? I'm trying to think of your... <laughs> he finishes with <laughs> the extreme go. education. What? He got the extreme education check. Did he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So apparently I do. Well, there's uh, a little chemistry involved in <laughs> leg liquor. Yeah. So you know that these are are molecule diagrams, right? It's one way of looking at how, you know, say if you were if you were going to map out what atoms a, a water molecule are made of, you could draw them this way. Of course, you don't know what the symbols mean. They don't even look like aclotext. You know this was the more, the strange alphabet that you saw in that chair, Mr. Monroe, which was not aclo, some other mm-hmm. uh, language. All right, so yeah, I'll I'll explain that. As I've never seen these symbols before, but as this looks like a molecule of some sort, that was the uh, understanding I'd come to as well. But I had seen these same shapes and symbols and molecule diagrams in the in the dream world that uh, I had shared with several other people, including Doctor or Detective Nichols. Um, do you happen to understand what they're modeling? Well, your recollection, Mr. Whitmire, is that the, sh- the shapes enough might not, on their own, might not be enough to determine what they are. Uh, you do know like these ones over on the right, just the two molecule ones. There are lots of different simple or simple things that could fit into that. Like that could be oxygen or, or hydrogen or, or whatever, right? Okay. So yeah, um, the two on the right, uh, could be oxygen or hydrogen, but I mean, without knowing what these symbols mean, it's really hard to break down exactly what it is. Hmm. Although I wasn't aware that you guys had uh, shared a dream as well. Yes, it you, was. It was not the dream world that you and I just entered, but it, it's the one that uh, seems to be brought on by having one of those strange frog statues nearby when you sleep. I'd like to try something as uh, just try and focus on where on Dr. and finding Dr. Andrews and try to enter the dream world. 
Could I do that? Well, I was going to say that uh, on Dr. Andrew's end, he's been, you know, thinking rapid fire in his head, and there's kind of a uh, an increase in the pace of thoughts. It's reaching a crescendo because this also came along with his sanity loss at the pods. And uh, we'll say he actually wakes at this moment, sort of exclaiming that they could be anywhere. He comes out of his sleep at that and s- sort of sits up exclaiming that. Dr. Andrews, take take some time. Breathe. You're, you're awake now. Yeah, you're you're in a shed in the middle of nowhere. You're okay. <laughs> Taking a nap with two other men while children watch over you. Yes. <laughs> After smoking copious amounts of drugs that take you to an alternate reality. <laughs> so, yes. We created an Im- impromptu opium den. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so I'll sit up and I'll look at them both, and then I'll say the entire complex was attenuated to the procession hall. It all became clear. The freezer is not a place for storing bodies for experimentation. The freezer is a closet. They can look like any of us. They wear us like suits. There's a birthing chamber. At least one of them had been vacated. They're reptilians and humanoid in shape, and they're religious. They worship Sa-Tha-Giwa. I heard them chanting it. They're broadcasting the signal. I don't know how far. And they're measuring something. I don't know what. Seems like you've had quite the dream. Uh, so that's like what I'll spit out as soon as like right. I wake up. <laughs> and then I'll look at them both. And then I'll do the whole groggy, try yeah. to wake up thing. Yeah, in that groggy process, as you're picking out the details of the room, you don't, this paper clutched in your hand, you didn't come in here with that. Yeah, I didn't have this in my hand. What is it? I'll look at it. In fact, you remember in your dream when you were walking through the installation near the radio tower, you had just briefly looked at a page sticking out of some device, but you had touched it with your left hand, your bandaged hand, to to lift it up and look at it. And that's the very same paper that is in your hand now. Jumping Jehoshaphat. I brought this from the dream. Really? How did you do that? Seriously? I touched it with this wounded hand of mine. And it was wounded by the Dark Hunter. So how does he play into it? How does the Consortium benefit from the Dark Hunter being so summoned? You just blew my place? mind that we could bring things back from the dream world. So. I think it's this hand. It's I touched the table. <laughs> I touched the table and I saw the future. It's my hand. It's the wound from the Dark Hunter that has to be it. <laughs> wasn't look, I wounded look at my hand. As well. <laughs> What's that? So wasn't I wounded in that fight too? Uh, not in the way he was. Okay. I was going to say is I'll start touching things with whatever, <laughs> wherever I got wounded at. <clears throat> well, this does... Mi- Listen, the table in my room showed me the future of Boston destroyed with a massive, many-legged creature bigger than, than words can possibly describe, shambling over the ruins of Boston. I've seen that in the mask. So have I. Yes, but I, not in Boston. I saw that. I saw that touching the table in my room with this. Well, you remember J- James? That's when I w- when we went back there to to my room to get some stuff. Yeah, when you, you were there, kind of spaced out a little bit. That's why I asked you to touch the table to see if you'd see it as well. But in this dream, I touched this. I found this piece of paper uh, next to uh, in a room full of equipment, sort of like radio equipment but not designed for hands like ours and uh 
not written any language or that I understood, but I touched this and now I've brought it out with me. So what does that mean? When was the last time that you changed the bandage on your hand or seen your hand? Well, that <laughs> would have been this morning. And did you notice anything different? Did, no, I didn't. It was, it was, it was healing, healing normally, but, yeah. yeah. No, I didn't. Well, the when you made the idea roll on your vision, you kind of battered the notion down, but what I had described that leapt from your subconscious was this idea of your your hand being out of phase as it appeared the Dark Hunters were with this dimension. Yeah, that's you know, right. But it was because you're such a materialist and mm-hmm. rational thinker, you know, you, you stuffed that down because you didn't know what to make of that because that would be insane. Yeah, doesn't seem so insane now. So I'll, I'll say that as well. Like it has to be something to do with the f- being out of phase with this reality. What did you? I'll just then I'll describe the area that I just dreamed and see if either of them recognize it. Like there's a a room, a honeycomb of doors, and a procession hall with pillars beside it, leading into darkness. Did you uh, tell your whole story about like from from the beginning where you woke up in there? Yeah, that's probably what I'll do now. Because I know they've dreamed of this place, and they talked about the burial mound, but I'll say I I passed by the burial mound. I went to a radio tower. Yeah, Monoro has dreamed of that place, although not the angle you went at it from. Yeah. And when he describes you know, his journey through this bulkhead door and into a cobbler's shop, that evokes the gate box, Mr. Whitmire. Yeah. And you're thinking of uh, a safe in the sub-levels of the Wilbur Theater, or you're reminded of it. Yeah, Mr. Whitmire was the one that that saw that safe, and I'm thinking of my museum. Yeah. Um, But, no, I'll I'll describe how I had gone into the burial mound rather than Mm -hmm. into it, so I had never seen that, although there were parts of your your, uh, descriptions that seemed similar to the temple beneath. I wonder if they lead to the same place. In a roundabout way, from the sound that you had mentioned, the the, chant? the chanting, yes, that that could be heard heard through the entire complex. Although when I went into it, it seemed as if I was getting closer the deeper I went, mm-hmm. rather than closer to the surface. Well, I only began to hear that when they walked down that procession hall and disappeared. Oh, in the uh, right, yeah, you were hearing it. A little bit, but not enough to pick out the individual syllables. It was more just like a beat. Yeah, and then they disappeared in the darkness, and I heard it louder. Right. Almost as Once though... Once they went through that column opening at the far end. Almost as though they had maybe opened a door and let the sound out and then closed it behind them. A, there's like a, yeah. a door to something <clears throat> or someplace in the basement of the Wilbur Theater. So I found that. When me and uh, Mr. Mueller were investigating it, it and didn't go in, but I know that there were people in, I could hear people on the other side of the room, and but when I went in, they were gone. All it was is a safe with uh, some markings on it. Hmm. And we recently just had uh, an artifact that was anonymously donated to my museum that shared the same symbols that I'm curious now if they had, if it too is a gateway to the same location. The symbols on this paper? 
No, the the oh, symbols okay. um, that were on the safe that uh, oh okay that Whitmire had mentioned. But well, as for the symbols on the paper, I I've also seen those in the dream, but in a a macabre machine deep deep beneath the burial mound. Mm-hmm. Did any of you come across a, a cold storage room with corpses hanging from hooks? No, deposited no. in their cranium. I did, and they were in some sort of transparent fabric, so I could see them, and they were hanging, and they had names that I recognized, some of them. Sammy Park, outfielder for Boston, the Boston Red Sox, who I had not heard was dead, but in this dream, his body hung there, and there were two puncture wounds on the fleshy part of his calf, with some dark lines leading in some of the all of the bodies shared that in common, though the punctures weren't in the same place. They all had no wounds aside from two punctures, and some of them with dark lines running from them, and it makes me really think that it's from a neurotoxin. Hmm. Another name I hmm. recognized was Wilson Patterson, who is a surgeon at Boston General, and I saw him five days ago when I went to speak with the coroner, Dr. Dyklaw. I hadn't heard that he had died either. Now, I was with Mrs. Nichols there. She found me in the dream. That doesn't surprise me. She reminded me that we were dreaming, and people dream of people they know all the time. I don't know if I would... Was it the real her? As far as I could tell, I believed it was. She recognized me. She approached me. She said that she was continuing to have these dreams. Hmm. That's unfortunate. I thought you you took the, uh, the statue from them, though. I did. And while it seemed that the other effects that they had been suffering from the statue being in their possession and in apparently the dreaming did not. Well, who knows if that was the only such statue that they had. Very true. And she strikes me as one who would. Do we know if uh, Detective Nichols is still having those dreams too? Well, we should speak with them and see, but I didn't see him in there. We should, I think we could that'd assume that'd be a good that time to see if uh, if his wife um, remembers me, remembers you being in there too. It sounds like yeah. he had a completely different experience than uh, me and Mister Monroe. Well, I can testify that the world that he entered, that I had been in to previously, is uh, some sort of a a mirror of this world, whereas the 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 dream world of the forest and the city of Ulth are, are quite separate. Well, uh, and at least in, in location, as that could easily be a, a mirror as well. Because obviously the city isn't destroyed and all those people aren't hanging from hooks like he saw in, in his dream. Except perhaps they are. Perhaps the people hanging from hooks are actually the bodies from our world. Well, we, you think they've like we don't been fully replaced. understand how how they uh, these creatures move about in our world. Well, they seem to have doorways to many different places, at least in Boston. Yeah, it seems like they could go anywhere in Boston that they want. And furthermore, I consider that from the stories, these would be the 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 creatures driven underground fourteen thousand years ago by mankind. Yes. They've had all that time moving amongst us undetected to gain power. And the consortium 
wields tremendous power in Boston for certain. Yes, and and perhaps the the bodies that he, you saw there were actually people that they had replaced in some way. Um, there's no way of telling whether or not Francis Walsh, for instance, is, had always been one of these creatures, or whether mm-hmm. at some point they had taken him um, and replaced him, perhaps. Well, if they... But you said if, you had one of these doorways in your store now? Well, the item that you helped me unpack, I believe, may be one of those doorways. So I I, I would really like to uh, to explore that. Well, uh, I, I may caution you against exploring that area that he had mentioned with our, our waking bodies. The, the times that I've gone there were, were just in a dream, and uh, I, I hesitate to say it, but I have been killed, maimed, and injured beyond belief several times while in the dream. Hmm. Well, we'll have to close here. Uh, I'll leave one final thing. With your extreme education role, Mr. Whitmire, you're kind of looking at this diagram and you have a bit of a thing for puzzles because what is a safe or a lock but a type of puzzle that you have to crack through and you're kind of operating under this notion with the smaller of the two molecules of what they could be. So on the top right one, you just jot down just on a whim, just from your what you could remember of chemistry, you jot down two H's above that for a hydrogen molecule and on the bottom one you tie or you jot down two o's for an oxygen molecule and you're just we will close on the scene of you just sort of puzzling over what the rest of those could be and we'll have to pick up next time guys thank you for playing yeah thank you thanks travis good game guys and i'll move you over to that but we can get those uh luck rolls and skill increase rolls out of the way <clears throat> nice, I failed. <laughs> this has been a Death Watch production. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.